There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5K. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. Also powered by Podmachine, the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. They need to have a good network and a good background and people will... Of course, you need to have a very good mission so that they will support you all the way. Because what drives the, the motivation is the mission. Uh, the mission, the vision, and the value of what the company is creating. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Us Share Podcast. We finally got the guy. I've been trying to get this guy for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, for a while now. We've had like three or four 
uh, times where we actually were pretty close in getting him on the show, but I've known this guy for a while. And mad respect for his hustle. And again, without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Josh Aragon of Zagana. Josh, finally we got this done. Welcome to the show. Finally, Ron, thank you very much for inviting over. Um, I'm very excited to share my story and experiences of how I run Zagana in my life. Absolutely. And again, I'm glad you're back home because you're always in the provinces nowadays trying to hustle and make sure that we get farm-to-table goodies in the best possible way. But before I get carried away, I need you to answer the million-dollar question. Josh, what's your hustle? Well, every day, you just have to be motivated. Um, look back on what you're doing. Um Focus on your mission, what drives you and motivates you, and continue to grow as a person and in the community as well. That's amazing. All right. And again, community building is at the essence of what you guys do in Zagana. So again, just for those people who don't understand what Zagana is, let's tone it down and then be straightforward as possible. What is Zagana and what do you guys do? Well, Zagana is an online source uh, for fresh produce. Uh, fresh and frozen goods, uh, such as uh, fruits, vegetables, meat, and seafood. Uh, we source directly from food producers, such as the farmers in Benguet, Pataan, even down to Davao, and fishermen, as well as like growers, where we bring their goods to Metro Manila and we sell it directly to the consumers and deliver it within 30 minutes upon order. What? That's amazing. Again, that's why he's rarely in Manila on <laughs> days. He's out there. <laughs> Looking for good and great produce that we can eat. But again, Josh, because you travel a lot, I'm pretty sure you're used to the hustle and bustle, but I need you to buckle up because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. And again, we're all the way back before we even talk about the Ghana. I met you as the guy from, of course, your very, very good e-commerce startup as well, Pushcart. But I want to understand your origin story first, bro. What was it like growing up and how early were you exposed to entrepreneurship and who did you get exposed from? Well, my family has been an entrepreneur since, I guess, since birth. They are a migrant from China going here in the Philippines. They started as a hardware. So I think oh. a lot of Chinese Filipinos Okay. Um, started the career or their entrepreneurship in the hardware business. And this is then direct to your parents or is it like like your grandparents? It's or... like grandparents. In, gotcha. Uh, since okay. 19, 1910, 1920, they migrated oh, wow. here, started the business throughout 1940 because they were still working. My grandparents were working under, actually they started working for a junk shop. Um, oh, then wow. they, they were able to learn the in and out of the business, set up hardware in the 1940s. Um, then set up supermarkets, then malls. Uh, so eventually, they were able to get back to their feet nice. when after they migrated. Uh, that's I think that was the famine in China as well as after the World War II. Right. This is the again the famine when Japan invaded China around that time. But I want to understand. So again, coming from working in a junk shop to doing hardware to operating groceries on, and two malls. 
I want to understand that legacy because that's something that you pass on from generation to generation and do well. And if you don't mind, be specific at least on who you got the inspiration from and what were the lessons taught during that time about entrepreneurship. So everything goes back to our heritage, who really brought us up together. So it was my grandfather. He was the pioneer in terms of bringing the family together as well as lifting everyone up in the family. So I guess whenever my mom tells stories about my grandfather, we all look up to him, what he has done, how he has taken care of the community, and how it's given back, um, not just from the community, but to all of his friends and families that have helped him grow as a person. Wow. That's amazing. Now, it goes all the way back. And of course, from the direct source of inspiration and wisdom, in your family now, were you... Forced or at least not even forced. Exposed early to contribute to the family business because I've had so many Chinoy startup entrepreneurs here as well. You know, their upbringing was very straightforward. <laughs> During your free time, you don't play, okay? You help wherever you can. The hardware, the cashier, packing, whatever. It's instilled with you early. What's the story? Do you have any of those experiences growing up? Yes, actually, we don't get to play often. If it's, we're playing, ano lang yan, one hour to two hours uh, <laughs> basketball. But most of the time, they will bring us to supermarkets. We will go to different branches and check what's happening. So they will teach us, ano yan eh, since grade school. Wow. I think since grade two or three, they will bring us already. Every summer, we'll be in the supermarket. What supermarket uh, is this? Again, I'm just very curious what, what, what supermarket. <laughs> this is chain. It's a chain. And there's not a lot of supermarket chains, huh? Uh, Ever supermarket. So oh go my God, are you kidding me? Ever mall. Wow. Walang tigil yan. Every summer, we won't stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you're being brought to that, what were you guys doing? So you're there, are you packing, are you manning, and whatnot? Because again, it's learning by doing. That's a common theme that I've seen. Because by the time you're ready to really take on or have a big role in the business, it's not alien to you because you're already contributing and it's been instilled to you because you've done it so many times. What were those things that you're doing in hustling and how did you make sense of it? Because as a kid, like, why the hell am I in the groceries again? I'm supposed to be playing basketball right now. Right? How did that make sense to you while you're being exposed to these type of things? I think they just handed over their upbringing. When they were kids, they didn't have money. So my grandfather was telling them to work as early as, I guess, in their teens. So this is what they have brought us as well as a family. They made us do all the chores or all the things that they've done uh, since they were a kid. So it just basically by passed to us. For example, when I went there, I started packing. So (laughs) from ground up, from packing to warehousing to putting items in the shelves, so we didn't go to like Kidzania or or like those, those <laughs> Kidzania is the frozen room, is the freezer. <laughs> we go wow. to the freezer room and to the, the chiller room. Uh, that's oh, how intense it is. So that's it's amazing. very uh, the kids right now are very lucky. The new generations they go to a lot of lay pens yep. right now. <laughs> yep, absolutely. They get to do. They get to enjoy life. But Josh, I want to understand also wisdom. Is there specific advice or wisdom about business that is present among the family that you bring it? Is it, you know, until now you carry on 
in doing Zagana. Because again, Zagana comes in naturally. If, if, after you telling me this, you've been in this business your whole freaking life. So, you know, this is something that's easy for you to really understand. And that's the edge you have because you've been here before. But what are the essences or what are the wisdom that was taught or advice that was taught from generation to generation, especially when it comes to business? Well, we learned from my grandfather um, working very hard. And most of the time, he's out of the house. Then the second generation comes in. They also got the behavior. And what the second generation told us is to divide your time into three. So if we have 24 hours, then divide it into three. So eight hours will be for working. Eight hours will be for sleep. Eight hours will be for play. So you have to balance it out. Don't just keep on working because work will never stop. Especially Absolutely. if you have a lot of ideas, a lot of things that you want to do. You focus on these three, delegate, and build your team. So build a culture within your team so that they will, uh, it will basically just auto-run by itself, not you be doing all the hard work. Mm, that's amazing. I never thought of it like that. Because again, again, everybody is given one thing constant. Every one of us, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are in life. We're given 24 hours a day. It's what you do with those 24 hours that are very important, especially in line with the vision that you have for yourself. Okay, now, Josh, let's go all the way back. So being exposed to this, we've been helping the family business. But what were the early hustles that you also did? Because it was it also clear to you at the very early stage of your life that you also wanted to do business? Actually, that was... Uh, so I was working under the family business after I graduated. Yeah. Then after a few years, my dad told me to start on my own. The mm. reason why, because if you reach 30 and you start your own business and you fail, it's less riskier. But after you go over 30, then it will be more riskier for you, especially that you have a family. So he told right. me to start learning and start failing fast before I reach wow. 30. Then once you get to past 30, then you can do whatever you want. You can just go back to corporate if you didn't like entrepreneurship. Maybe it's really not for you, but if you like it, then continue. That's amazing. And again, this is very unique in terms of perspective because the typical middle-class Filipino upbringing is that study hard because this is the only thing we can give you and then work corporate. And then when we grow old, take care of us because we did not prepare for our retirement. But you can't take risks. You can't F it up. But the beauty about this this mindset is now the stakes are high, but you're, you're here to really learn by failing, which is amazing because... You will never learn if you don't fail. And but from that coming from your dad, you know, that's super empowering. Right. And what did you do? And because at the end of the day, again, you're used to the dynamics of working in the family business. But now you go on your own. That's the scariest part all the time. And you know, it's like fish out of water experience. What's the first business that you had to do outside of the family business? So I started Pushcart.ch, some online grocery to enable supermarkets yes. to go online. Basically started with uh, a few, well, Anchor Supermarket. So uh, the funny thing was I didn't want to use my network. So I started cold calling supermarkets. Why? Um, <laughs> no, that's a they, they didn't know me. Uh, so oh, I my. called the one of, I got the number of one of the GM. I went, actually went straight to the physical store of the supermarket. In Quezon wow. City. I asked the cashier what's the, what's the number of the GM. 
And actually, they were able to provide me the number, and I called him. <laughs> and wow, I just, amazing! I just did a two-minute pitch, and I got a meeting with him regarding the online grocery. Wow, and amazing. I think it's just the key that you start getting your phone, calling people. Don't be afraid to ask. You don't know that you make wonders. Uh, sometimes they would always answer your question. And I think mm. this is what every entrepreneur or what every startup entrepreneur feels. They are afraid to call, call and ask questions. So I think this is something that it was ingrained to me because mm. uh, for a very big supermarket chain, I didn't expect that they would reply. Absolutely. And, and that's one skill, if, especially if you're the founder CEO, that's one skill you need to have. I don't care what your talents are what you're doing but it's the skill of finding a way to open doors and also open opportunities for your team and at the end of the day the, that skill is kapal ng muka if you're not willing to take that shot you're gonna miss it 100% of the time right I, I had the same story bro when I was starting out in Party Pile my very first startup it's a nightlife business right the reason why I created the startup was because every time back in our day I'm pretty sure you can relate when you go to the clubs, there was a phase where there's no guest list, right? You have to pay cover charge so you can come in, 500, you get two beers. So I, I did that. I, I loved to party for a while. And then I took a hiatus, worked in a call center. That's why I was able to learn this, to talk like this. But when I came back, there was this thing called the guest list. And people get to the club for free. I'm like, how the hell are they doing it? I have to pay my, my measly 500 bucks. So that was the idea of guesses.ph. Again, this was a brainchild of my late mentor, Georgie Azarin. Rest in peace. He, he helped me out. But the hustle, similar to what I did to do, is like, again, I had no supply. So if I'm trying to get people on the guest list, I'm just this random party goer. So I had to go from club to club to club. I had, unfortunately, there wasn't any good cashiers that gave me the number. I had to make tambay several times <laughs> with the bouncer to meet with a club owner that says, hey, let's meet at 9 and only show up half drunk at 1 a.m. Like, oh, my effing God. But yeah, that's something that we all had to do at one point before we had to go. But again, Josh, before we take our first break, I wanted to understand. So you did all the hustling up front. But in terms of the biggest fear you had at that point, so we all had that as a very vulnerable first-time startup entrepreneur. What was that fear that you were very scared to, to even commit or do? Well, it's really doing a leap of faith that you're working under the family, so you are protected. Anything that you do basically is like a parachute for you. Uh, when you fail, right. they'll catch you and they'll teach you or, and guide you. But being an, an entrepreneur, it's really hard because now you're on your own. You get to learn a lot of things. You get to fail a lot of times as well. There's no guidance. So that's why I'm, I'm very fortunate to get mentors uh, okay. or advisors who will tell me. But still, those are just advices. You still have to execute it. And sometimes the execution part is hard. They tell you advice, but they don't get, sometimes they don't get the whole picture because you're actually one doing it. Yes. So sometimes you have to really work around and focus on your mission. What is the what is your north star? So always, I think it's always focusing on that. That is amazing. All right, let's take our first break, and when we come back, let's now continue how you created pushcart.ph. 
how that journey eventually culminated. And at the end of the day, the next iteration of how you created Zagana. But let's talk about that more after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Josh Argon again. Told us the, the journey of how he then, again, jumped off a cliff and, but left the parachute of having been in the family business. But Josh, after, again, you, you hustled your way through in Pushcart, at the start, what were the next steps you had to build? Because again, if your family taught you that, all right, you need to build a team so that the culture will just auto run it by itself. Was that something that what you were deliberately trying to build when you started it out? Or was it harder than you imagined? Because again, when you came into the family business, that was already set. And now here you are trying to build it on your own. What was the initial stuff that you had to build to build the team and the culture and everything else in between? So the family business was built in the since 1940s. So yeah. imagine that they've already done a lot of iterations within yep. the company, the process. So it's basically a foundation already. And when you start a business, that's what my dad was telling me. Uh, you start your own foundation. And I thought it was easy because everything was running smoothly in the family business. But when I started my own, um, <laughs> I didn't know that character, personality, and a lot of things that I need to adjust as well. Mm -hmm. That's why it's really more of learning how you will build that foundation. It's really hard actually. So for example, when I started Pushcart, it was just mere friends. Like we're just like college uh, friends who wanted to start a business. 
I didn't even know what startup means. So oh, wow. I, just, I just know that, uh, okay, we create a company and that's it. But they call it a startup. So what, what, what's a startup? And it's, <laughs> it, it's more of a technological company that will scale up to right. a hyper growth stage. So I said, okay, so of course, I want to explore. Let's try it. Let's try it out. So just mm. as friends, we built Pushcart. That was in 2017. Then we started to join competitions, learn the community. And it was very fortunate that we met so much people who mm-hmm. have the same mindset, who are in the first, uh, in the early stage in entrepreneurship. And we've seen a lot of characters and personalities. Very interesting, not just from low profile to high profile people. I'm very fortunate to meet them as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you, the first people you will meet, Henry, every, is always the starting point. You go to a networking event and Ray and his quick wire boys will be there. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> always there. Right? So if you're a startup, like, oh, you've made it in the startup community if you've met the quick wire boys along with their, their deity called Ray Rifundo. There you go. <laughs> Who's always at, at all the parties drinking. But now, kidding aside, I want to understand a couple of things. Because, again, you, you were very naive over what this whole industry is. And again, sometimes it can be very challenging for people who were brought up in a traditional, fundamentally sound business. Because the way you raise funds in a traditionally sound business is to, through profit. And here you are in, in a startup ecosystem where, yeah, we're raising money for something that loses money. It doesn't make sense. A lot of people struggle with that transition. What was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome coming from that background to startups who are trying to achieve hyper growth, trying to all do all these MVPs and all these other jargon that only startup people typically use? What was the biggest transition for you? Well, Actually, when I was looking at all the startup companies, yeah, they're, they're really growing fast, but they're also burning a lot of cash. Um, yes. <laughs> and so I go back to my mentor uh, in EIM where I graduated for my MBA. Oh. I asked uh, the professor's guidance. So like, uh, of course, they, they should be one of the industry experts in mentoring companies as well. So I've asked them what needs to be done. Uh, so actually, they, they were really helpful that we should just bootstrap ourselves and let's focus on profitability. Don't worry about how many users you have. As long as they are very loyal users, just focus on your target market. Wow, that's amazing. And again, that's the best way to raise funding. Through profit, roll over the profits, delay getting big-ass salaries first, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, all startups go hit a wall. And that wall will really make or break that thing. And most of us, again, at least are able to pivot. What was the very first or major pivot or was the very first pivot you guys had to do in Pushcart that you've learned from? Well, I guess for Pushcart, it's not more of pivoting, but it's more of focusing on our effort on what we want to achieve. So we built this online grocery mainly to empower the supermarket. So it's more of us. That time, there was no, I think it's, Honestly, was the starting, Happy Fest was starting, even yep. was starting. So we were all pioneers in that industry. And we don't have the resources. We don't have the photo libraries of thousands of SKUs that we have to take photos of and then put it online. So it's really yep. more of all the hard work that we're working. Um, and that was for two years that we've been doing it, taking photos, uploading, making operations more efficiently because 
the inventory of the supermarket doesn't talk to the POS. So when someone checks out from our online platform, we don't know if it's out of stock or in stock. So yeah. I'm sure right now in the pandemic, people will always realize that someone will call them and tell them that, oh, your <laughs> ice cream is out of stock. Would you want to replace it? So that's yes. what we want to remove, that aspect of out of stock, in stock, to make sure that we have proper inventory because right. that takes a lot of time, especially mm-hmm. reaching out to the consumer. Uh, so I think yeah. it's more of uh, providing operational excellency in that field. Got it. Uh, because our, our business model is straightforward. We mm-hmm. uh, customer orders from our portal. We pick the items inside the supermarket, hand it over to the rider, and deliver it to the customers. So all, all in all, the whole process should, should take up around one to two hours from for, for that time. And I mm. think... Uh, this is pre-pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic. This is... mm-hmm. yeah, that, and that was 2017. Fast forward to present, 2022, we're now doing 30 minutes delivery. Wow, that's amazing. Again, and before we talk about you guys, because again, full disclosure, Josh has already exited this uh, business. He sold pushcart. But for every exit, I've lived this life before. There's a lot of near-death experiences. (laughs) There's a lot of times, especially if you're bootstrapping, one big mistake can F everything up, right? For for you guys in pushcart, can you just talk about your near-death experiences? What? How close was it? And what was it like? How did you bounce back? Well, there's a lot of things that happened. So we, uh-huh. uh, as you know, we got funding from the final pitch at season one. So one of the investors there invested in Pushcart. We were growing really fast. Uh, our our growth rate was almost two digits uh, wow. growth rate. Month on uh, month. So we were, yeah, month of month. So that's very unimaginable for an online platform in 2017 because everyone was still was not digital yet. Um, they don't know what online grocery is. So imagine people getting to realize, oh, this is more convenient than just going to the supermarket. We were one of the pioneers who did that. And what happened with one of our investors is he got in a hiccup and he needs to get back his funds. So, oh my God. So yeah, that, that's why that stuck, uh, struck us with our current funding. We had to give it back. And for, for good faith, we have to give it back. So eventually, it became bootstrap. So from getting funded, uh, to, How big was the team? When oh, you, the team I think uh, the team was around 30 at the time. So Shit. we were we were doing the tech, uh, developing the technology, marketing it, finance team was there, as oh, well as the Peter and Tucker. So it was pretty hard and we had to reorganize everything, structure the company so that we can survive for the next uh, two to three months. Oh my so God. if we have a tight cash flow, we need to move quickly and get investors to come in. Right. So how did you get out of the rut? Because again, two to three months of runway is is nerve-wracking. It's it's scary. Like you'd have no room for a mistake. Just one more mistake and you're dead. Right? But if you get used to that, eventually you realize two to three months is still a long time. That's eight weeks. Right? Four to eight weeks that you get to do something. No, eight to 12 weeks, sorry. That you can still pull a rabbit out of the hat. But from that point, imagine having that long runway to short to three months. You have no room for mistakes and you have to do everything right. What did you guys do to, to stay afloat? Uh, so that time we were caught off guard. Um, so that's why we have mm. to 
uh, raise funds. Uh, I joined a lot of competitions as well as a lot of uh, like, for example, we we joined the Y Combinator. We were oh, we were flown to Silicon Valley. I met a lot of like-minded people or investors there who taught us what we to do for fundraising. And I met a lot of good people. And some of the uh, investors actually invested in Pushcart. Nice. But eventually, we had to fix our all our our organization so that we yeah. can still survive. And it's not that easy. <laughs> nope. Never. <laughs> So what did you guys do to fix the organization? So basically, we had to uh, make sure that we are very lean in terms of the organization. We have to make sure that our burn rate will be, uh, we won't have a very big burn rate or at least break even yep. to get to get into the break even point. So that's, that's right. just the goal, go into the break even. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did you then chip away at it? Was it that you had to let go of people so that you can lower the burn? Right, and then slowly get away to that break-even point. Take care of the the loyal customers. Was that so, was that it, or was it a combination of other things? Yeah, uh, basically go back to your balance sheet, sit down with your finance team. Uh, what needs to do? So what we did is we increased the commission rate or the the fees, so that we would be able to have more cash inflow, lower down the opex, which is of course uh, reducing the power, making automating some of the parts. And basically, that's it. We, we basically just did that. And we're on track with what we're doing. That's amazing. So when you were actively operating Pushcart, right? At one point, this is where I really want to know. Because on your LinkedIn, it says September 2019. And then around the September 2019, you also did Zagana. But I knew Pushcart also still continued on. What was that point where you said, all right, um, I'm doing Zagana next? Well, can you tell us about that story? Because again, Pushcart carried on until it got acquired last year. Was it last year or this year? Last year. Um, last year, right? How did that story come about? So um, basically, when I attended the Alibaba eFounder program, right. I joined that program and uh, saw the potential of e-commerce. They taught us how e-commerce works, learned rural e-commerce there. So, so how farmers were... Uh, very privileged and they're very uh, well taken care of by the government as well as the private entities. So when we arrived in Hangzhou, China, uh, in a bus that time, uh, we, we stepped down of the bus and saw that there were BMWs parked outside the garage. Yeah. And I, I asked, who who owns those BMWs in, in this province or in the farm areas? And uh, the people were saying, oh, those are owned by the farmers. So, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so what? I said, what? So what what's this? Like what's happening? Like, oh yeah, they <laughs> to uh, organize or cluster the farms together. Uh-huh. And so basically this this province is called the walnut province. We basically they don't grow walnuts there, but they organize farms in the nearby provinces. The, mm-hmm. those provinces brings the walnuts to their province and they process it there. So they don't just sell locally, but they sell globally. And they were able to generate, I think, a billion, a billion dollars of RMB uh, in that village. So that's wow. what they call about village that generates that much revenue for the community. So we wanted when you saw apply, that. We wanted to apply that in in from China to the Philippines uh-huh. to invert uh, the the triangle where farmers will have more leverage or will have more, I would say, a stronger hand in terms of the supply chain uh, to sell right. to the to, to have access to the market. Got it. So that's the inspiration. And when you came back, 
She still had Pushcart. What was that decision point? I mean, it obviously moved you, right? It moved you that you saw a different, saw a problem of how farmers can thrive. And if you look at the Philippines, our farmers are probably one of the poorest of the poor because the system is built for them to be exploited, right? Or just because of supply chain and all these middlemen, right? That's just, you know, they get to sell cheap. And sometimes the heart, most heartbreaking thing is you see this every once in a while in, in social media where a bunch of farmers would just have to throw their yield away because they're not able to dispose of them or even make money out of it. Why did this move you so much to the point that you had to create Zagana? So I met with, uh, after I come back from China, I met, actually it was very, that I met with the uh. Department of Agriculture. So they they showed us what the farmers are doing in Benguet. So we rode with them, went up to the mountain province and saw mm. the livelihood of the farmers. So they uh. were saying that they don't have any, uh, I will say the power to sell direct to the market, number one. Number two, mm-hmm. they are being deprived by the traders because uh, sometimes the traders buy their local produce at a very low price, even below their production cost. Oh and you will see their houses where they're living in Bahay Kubo. They don't have proper water or irrigation um, and proper equipment yeah. to harvest their produce. They still carry 20 kilos of bags every day up and down from oh the mountain. So imagine that. And they were saying that in Tagalog, yung apat na gulong ay palaging panalo. So it means oh that no. uh, those trucks that goes up and down to the mountains are always the winners because they get all the margins uh, right. or bigger margins in terms of that. And of course, the DA explained to us the supply chain, how long the supply chain is from getting the produce from the farm to delivering it to the supermarket then delivering it to the consumer. So there's a lot of layers. I, I believe there's around right. seven to eight layers that it has to pass what? through. Uh, and that's why when it gets to the supermarket, you will see the cost is very high. Like uh, for a broccoli, it can go up to 400 pesos per kilo. Uh, imagine mm. that they're just selling it in the farm at around 80 pesos to 90 pesos per kilo. Oh my God. <laughs> you get it at 400 to 500 pesos in the supermarket. So when I was looking at the shelves of the supermarket as well, I find that there's a monopoly in terms of the brands there. You will see only one or two brands inside the supermarket. So that's why we, we need to, I think we need to change the agricultural landscape, provide better market access for the farmers and give them the voice to stand up on their own as well. That's amazing. And again, that that's that's really moving. And how did you then decide to take this on? Because you still had Pushcart. Yes. Um, so, what pushed you to take another leap? And so how did that talk, happen? We talked with that. I talked to the team, and actually, we, I I told them about my plan. And very, I think the team was very understanding. They have the maturity and the understanding to move forward. So my CTO, uh, Mike, he moved the company after I said that I have to step down and focus on what I I needed to do. Right. Okay. So. With that said, at least they're, they're able to continue on. And again, it resulted in an exit. So congratulations. Yeah. Uh, great job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that, that's, a, that's amazing. And again, that's very, very interesting on how you were able to then migrate to Zagana. But let's take our last break and then understand what was it like when you found your calling? Because I felt like you were really, really moved 
after those two experiences of seeing how the beamer riding farmers in China were and see how the stark differences with our with our farmers are here. Well, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk more about how you now took on this problem head on and how do you build Zagana from the ground up. Well, let's talk about that more after. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. 
with over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. DragonPay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit DragonPay is. DragonPay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust DragonPay. Break. Hey, hustlers, before we start this episode, I want to share with you this amazing tool that we started using in Podcast Network Asia and Pod Machine lately. And it's called Narrator.ai. Now, prior to using Narrator, one of our biggest problems in our startup was centralizing the tons of data that we have from all our podcasts and how users were using our product. We had so much data. The problem was we didn't have the right tool to interpret and make decisions fast out of them. Now, this meant we did a lot of risky guessing, which thankfully we got right, but we were a bad move away from screwing it all up. Now, instead of hiring a whole data team or building this whole thing from the ground up, we were lucky to find Narrator. Because as a startup, you need a tool that allows you to make the necessary pivots needed to scale up with your data that you can use to make great decisions fast. And Narrator is the fastest, easiest, and the most comprehensive way to get value out of your data warehouse. No more need for hundreds of rigid data models that take forever to update and can only handle a limited number of use cases. Using Narrator's activity schema, explore and analyze any data in your warehouse without having to write SQL. And I swear, if you're a startup that's scaling or a company that's undergoing digital transformation, this will blow you away. So all you have to do is go to narrator.ai and book a demo. Trust us, this is awesome. And we're back in the break. We're still with Joshua Argon, who came back from the mountains, being moved, wanted to make give us cheaper broccoli. And Josh, let's start with Tibuyas first, huh? The onions is really packed up right now. I don't know what's <laughs> my tacos are super expensive uh, that, that I want. But I want to understand, Josh, from that point on, you said pushcart, all right, guys, I want to I want to take on this problem. But Josh, this is a systemic system designed to take advantage of the farmers a lot of people have tried this but sort of like a it's a it's a cartel you know let's just call it what it is that you know it's just really built to be that way and it's a tough nut to crack how did you then start to really chip away at this because the incumbents are formidable well um, so you know it's hard to do a startup uh, especially na pag ikaw lang mag-isa when you started I'm fortunate to have a group of people who have the same mindset and started with me in this journey so you need to have a good network and a good background and people will of course you need to have a very good mission so that they will support you all the way because it's what what drives the, the motivation is the mission uh, the mission the vision and the values of what the company is creating. 
what add value to the people, what add value to to everyone here in the community. So when we started uh, Zagana, it was basically in January of 2020. We were serving mostly B2B or restaurants. Then the pandemic mm, happened. Um, gotcha. That was in Oof. March of 2020. So when the pandemic happened, it was really crazy. Uh, all the restaurants were closing down. Oh my uh, gosh. And We we didn't know what to do, so we had to say, okay, let's utilize e-commerce because it, it's on lockdown. So pivoted our business to B 2 C, serving users mm. or consumers, and that's where we were able to find that we can do 30 minutes delivery. Pala, it's not that hard. Pala, I, I think it's just uh, wala lang. I will say that the people are not yet in tune to that or di pa sila sanay. But eventually, because of the pandemic, they were forced to order online, and that. That's what accelerated the growth of e-commerce. We were growing really fast that time. We were setting up a lot of micro fulfillment centers that fulfill fresh produce and deliveries to consumers within 30 minutes, and that was a pretty successful model. And we're still doing it now. Uh, we're gaining more users, providing more convenience, safety, uh, as well as more affordable produce for them. And then we link it up to the farmers, so we get produce coming from the farms in Benguet, Saan. All the way to Rojas and Davao for the seafood and for the food. Uh, so we're uplifting a lot of people in the community. That's amazing. And again, here we go with with this thing because you you came from retail at the very last tip before you go to consumer, and you have to go backstream, not even upstream. Like I don't know, you have to go upstream all the way to the source. And these are farmers that are not just easily searchable, right? If you're really trying to make ends meet at that point. I want to understand two things: supply and demand. And supply is is the key of this business. How are you able to then then get the the best farmers for the best produce? Right? Is that the reason why you're always out of town? <laughs> Because you're always sourcing it out. How are you able to do that? So you have to make sure that uh, you source quality produce, and they need to hand they need to know how to handle it properly and store the produce properly. Because most of the produce that comes from the farm. And ends up in uh, or the bagsakan in Victoria or uh, Balintawak right. or to your mm-hmm. fulfillment center. There's 30% in wastage because of the vibration wow. oh in God. terms of the car. Not no proper crate. Uh, usually yeah. it's all in plastic bags. So within that plastic bag, inside the produce will get heated up. So when it heats up or tetaog niya naluluto, lamog. Naluluto din. So most of the Produce or the products inside get destroyed or get spoiled. So we need to introduce them proper way of handling and storage, mm-hmm. from putting in proper crates and putting it in, uh, setting up in proper trucks that have uh, controlled temperature. So it's not wow. just like those van, functionally possible. It, it needs to be refrigerated so that you won't break the cold chain. So for example, coming in Benguet, the temperature there is 12 to 15 degrees. But right. when it arrives to Manila, it goes up to 25. So you will see the abuse in temperature. So that's why a lot of produce, when it's very big, for example, in cabbage, this is big. But when that it arrives in Manila, shrinks. it shrinks to this small size. Oh my god! <laughs> because that the traders buys it at a very mabigat na nasilo. But eventually, right, right. when it arrives to Manila, they have to trim it. They have to cut mm. it, and it becomes very small. That's why the cabbage is very expensive. 
<laughs> wow, I did not know this. Again, this is a real problem or you're a big problem too that you're trying to solve. But let's just going back. How are you able to find the farmers? Because it's not like you can just Google. And there's a lot of hustling to get the right people. Because at the end of the day, too, Josh, the same farmers that you're probably trying to get, trying to get direct to consumer and cut all the middlemen in between are the same farmers. Probably some of them would be the same suppliers of this old, the old guard, which is you know going through all these people in between who move the products. How did you get to the very start of the supply chain? So the very start, um, that's a very good question. So, of course, we met the farmers in Benguet. Uh, that was in 2019. Um, the Department of Agriculture was the one who bridged us and introduced oh. to the farmers. Uh, but, of course, we don't have means to buy from them uh, in bulk. Like, usually when we when you have to talk to the farmers, you have to buy the whole produce that they're going to harvest. They don't want to sell right. you like out to the farmers. Yeah. <laughs> they won't mind you. So, right. What we did is we basically just buy from the Victoria in Balintawa. That's how that's how everything started. Me myself, okay. I I drive in the pandemic. In the middle of wow. the pandemic, I drive my that's car scary. all the way to Victoria, buy produce uh-huh. because we cannot get any produce coming out from the farm. It was all locked down, right? So, uh, I went to the I went to DV, bought all the produce, bring it to our fulfillment centers, and that's where we fulfill all the orders for the consumers. And when we had uh-huh. volume. We were able now to uh, get leverage to talk to the farmers and ask them to bring the produce down here in Metro Manila, and that's how it started. So you were able to gain volume. You need to have volume for you to gain their trust and confidence for them to har- to to plant and to bring the produce down. Because there's a lot of traders as well that promises that they will buy this X amount of produce, but when they started harvesting the produce, they're uh, holding the bag, right? Yeah, Which, uh, a lot of things. So they get afraid now because they invested their time and effort in Correct. this product. But at the end of the day, if they don't sell it, they just cut it out, throw it back in the farm again as a fertilizer and restart their life. So it's very hard wow. for them. That's sad. Uh, they, and they only have, we don't have a very good cash flow in, in, in mm. that. Yeah, because it's a cycle, right? Uh, when When you're not harvesting, it's... It's feast or famine, right? At 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 that point. But Josh, a couple of things. Um, you mentioned volume is the one that opens up these opportunities for you. What does volume look like in in terms of like high metric numbers? You don't have to go into the details, but when you unlock that capability, what what did volume look like? Because going downstream again, one of the things that I really see you a lot on is Grab as your distribution or again the their ability to go directly to consumer because. If you're not able to really dispose of these produce that you have, again, if you're able to do it in 30 minutes, right? You're just one of them guys asking for volume, whatever, but you're not really helping the farmers out. So you have to really go from start to end and do it well, because if you're not, then you're just one of them too. How were you able to get that volume? What was that volume like? And going downstream, how were you able to then dispose of all these produce very quickly to unlock the volume because it, it's chicken and egg right it, 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 that has to work in order for it to really be smooth so number one you need to plan it out have a good demand forecaster mm-hmm. to make sure that you have proper you have data on what you're going to order so now um you look into the truck how big are the trucks are these two-tonner trucks 
five tonner truck to ten tonner truck. So you build, you work on that capacity. Uh, if you can only do two tonners, then bring a two tonner truck because that's what you can only put in the truck. Farmer wants you to sell all their produce. They want it at five tonners or ten tonners. Then you have to go back to the drawing board, check it out on your finance if you can afford to buy all of it. But it. I think two tonner will will be okay to start with. Um, so when you get two tonner truck, bring it down. And you can do it every other day for, for that aspect. What? Two tons of vegetables? That's kind of amazing. <laughs> every other day. My God, that is incredible. But at that point then, right, you have that back and forth. On the demand, how do you forecast? Because that's hard. Uh, and especially for those startups. Again, uh, a, lot of, a lot of first-time entrepreneurs in the, or first-time founders in the Philippines Want to do marketplace, two-sided markets where you have to be, you have to be in between supply and demand, guys. It's not easy. And when a lot of people start out, I always say, guys, if you can possibly just do one side, do it first with one side, and probably be an aggregator at one point, at one one end, and just be be a distributor at the other end. But doing Two things open-ended is hard. And that's kind of what you guys did. You aggregated all the supply and the demand on the demand side. It's more open-ended and you have a lot of partners and you have direct-to-consumer. But how are you able to then get this demand forecasted properly? Because imagine you get three or two tonner trucks and then you realize, holy shit, nobody wants to buy this. (laughs) What am I going to do with this stuff? And it's the same problem all over again. How how does that work? I think that's that's a very good question. So, that's why we need to ramp up our marketing, put a lot of channels. Like, for example, we have different marketplaces that we've onboarded. Then we need to do performance marketing. So before buying the produce, we, we need to already send out marketing plans and also like email, social media, do mm-hmm. uh, targeting ads direct to the consumers. So when they click order, now you have the data that they're already pre-buying the produce. So you can now it. store it in the in the food storage, then fulfill it to the consumer. So amazing. I think that's key uh, as well uh, for us is to have mm-hmm. food storages that we were able to store the goods at least uh, three to five days more. Nice. So that's again, that's a, that's a long time because that's enough for you enough time for you to dispose of it, get the the vegetable to wherever it needs to be, and at least you don't lose money as well. Now I want to understand couple more things right you come in here it's a brand new business and you, you can't do it alone how did you build the team it to enable you because you have like this this demand forecaster <laughs> i don't know where you get that right how are you able to build this team out to make sure that again you're coming in with wisdom and knowledge that you got from pushcart so i'm pretty sure you're not coming from zero to one a lot of things that you did in pushcart before applies here as well but how did you then build the team to create the Zagana team as well? So there are four teams that I was able to also bring. So some people from Postcard also followed me to Zagana. And that's how we built our core team. That's where we started. Then, okay. then the second is more of reaching out via LinkedIn. Usually it's mm-hmm. LinkedIn. We just post our equipment and people will start messaging us there. And yeah, basically that's how we got the good people to join our team. Mm. And again, one thing that just wanted to do, because I know you are also funded by Bossing. 
Steve C. Again, uh, Steve C. I'm gonna start charging you. Ah, last episode it was Rafa, Rafa Joanna. Now it's uh, <laughs> now it's Josh. Uh-huh. I'll start interviewing all your investments. I'll just send you the invoice, Steve C. I just did 12 terms, so you're welcome. Just kidding. <laughs> but how did you get Steve? And is that pivotal in terms of bootstrapping this? Because this is very capex heavy as well, right? If you're in this business, you're gonna have enough assets to really move things around. You can't be just going again thing it. You need to have the capability to really be able to get mass scale to, in order to make a dent. But how did you then fund this business? Was it bootstrapped at first? What was that like? So Steve is a very instrumental uh, co-founder in this startup. We started this together um, after we went back from Alibaba eFounder program. Mm. Uh, it was the one who said, that, why not create uh, something that will help our farming community? And that's what really engraved into my heart that okay this is our beneficiary then let's do it it's not just for ourselves but it's for the future generations as well on how we will be able to link uh, agriculture in the digital space uh, so that's how we started as uh, a that's the whole idea of why we're here so mm-hmm. we started this as a bootstrap we basically funded it on our own then rolled the cash over so that we will be able to gain more capacity in terms of storing as well as in terms of fulfillment. CAPEX is very high in CAPEX because you have to buy inventory, especially these are highly perishable goods that will spoil any time of the day, even if when mm-hmm. it just arrives in after a few minutes, it's already spoiling. So yeah. that's the key thing is you need to make sure that all the items are all out before they even perish. That's amazing. Now, I just want to understand because again, we've had so many people now who's worked with Steve here and you starting a business from scratch with Steve, we've have him have had him several times again. We have his whole origin story. So if you want to look that up, just look it up in the hustle share feed, check it out. Right. We've had him in a Sunicorn Sessions one. We talked about what it was like after their series B. But I want to understand from your perspective, because again, the guy is busy, right? He he's, he has a thousand things going on for him. But how is that dynamic like working with Steve? And what are the things that you really learned from him well that made you better as an entrepreneur? I believe it's open communication and being straightforward with whatever questions that you have or whatever problems that you have. Uh, he may have or may not have the answer, but he will guide you in terms of what you need to do. So I think that's the most important part because you as an entrepreneur starting this business, you should know better in terms of running the business. So what what usually advisors or mentors do is they guide you, ask you the right questions, and you should be able to answer it on your own. I think that's something that we all entrepreneurs need to learn. It's not all laid out in your table, but you need to figure it out one by one. Absolutely. Again, it's like <laughs> building a plane while you're go- going all the <laughs> way down from a freaking cliff without no parachute, right? And hopefully you don't die when you... <laughs> <laughs> when you hit the ground, right? It's it's scary. But a couple of things before I let you go, Josh. From this thing that you, you've done in Zagana, right? How did you then generate traction? Because you've done an, an amazing job in, in really making this true. What were the key things you, you think you did right this time? Because we always talk about the things that we did wrong, right? What were the things that you did right that helped you really push Zagana forward to what it is now? Well, I think it's all about the people. The people that uh, we were able to build the organization inside the Ghana, 
and the culture that we were able to gain as well to gain and to provide. So that's very important. Uh, the key thing is here the people. Uh, the second will be the process that we were able to work on. And the number three is the scaling up of technology. So these three parts is very is is our pillars, the three pillars for our foundation. If you don't have the people, then you don't have any process to work on. Then now you don't have anything to scale up. So you need to provide, you need to take care of your people, number one. But the people, not just within the organization, but also your outer circle, like your stakeholders, the farmers, fishermen, livestock growers, as well as the logistics, the platform makers. So you have to yep. have to create support and create, build relationships with them as well. All right, last few questions. From from a founder's point of view, Josh, again, we all go through this. It's, just, it's punishing to be a founder where you just really, you entertain the thought of giving up, right? And it's hard when that thing lingers like, shit, is this even worth it still and whatnot? How did you get over those thoughts? Because again, you're still checking away at it, right? You obviously didn't give up, but walk us through those times where you, we're almost on the brink. Like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this anymore. And how are you able to bounce back? Because it's important for us to really get over that hump. Because, you know, in, in, in the generation now, it's so much easier for people to just say, I give up. I'm done. But as a founder, you can't do that. Everybody relies on you. The buck stops with you. How are you able to get over that hump? So I think it's more of uh, going back to your mission. What drives you? If if, it, if your mission doesn't matter to you, then you'll easily give up. I will say just focus on what you want to happen. Focus on the vision that you want to happen. And eventually, if you're able to do things right, then you'll be able to overcome all of this. But if you don't have a strong backing or strong mission, then you'll easily give up and let's just start another thing and focus on another yeah. area. Correct. All right. Now, last question before I let you go. Again, you've been exposed to so many great entrepreneurs along the way. But if you just think back and again, ride the hustle share time machine once again, what's the best advice you've ever received in terms of business? Well, the best advice that I got is just to continue moving forward. Uh, yun lang eh. there's, there's nothing that you can do if past is past. So focus on the present. If may ginawa kang decisions na mali, then, so there's two things pala. One is irreversible decision and one is reversible decision. Kasi ang dami na nating ginagawa sa trabaho and everyday we have to decide as an entrepreneur. So if you think that this decision is reversible, then you give a answer right away. Don't wait for a long time to decide. Para mag-move on lang yung next issue, next issue. Uh, but right. if it's reversible, then think about it. Think about it for a day or two, then decide on that matter. So I think that's a very, very important part for me because as you know, entrepreneurs have a lot of decisions that they have to take. Um, every five minutes, you will have, someone will call you and ask advice or what, you need, what they need to do. <laughs> so we can't just keep on dragging all of this. So it's the, the decision of the entrepreneurs that you need to work on properly. If not, the whole organization won't be able to move. They will all wait for your decision. So sometimes you have, power, you have to empower your employees as well 
uh, to decide on their own to give them that power so that it won't be lahat you won't carry all of the load that is amazing thank you so much Josh for such an amazing episode but before I let you go what's next for you guys in Zagana and again what should people look out for and if they want to reach out to you or again buy your produce where do they go and how do they do that well they just go to www.zagana.com or download our app in Play Store or App Store and you can buy your produce there reach me out in my Facebook page uh, Joshua Aragon or email me at joshazagana.com that is amazing and again before I let you go Josh if you are listening to this podcast, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And if we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes in hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the Hustle Share community, just go to the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Again, Josh, thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me in the show. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.